0: Policy matters. policy, matters. Matters. policy matters. Matters. matters policy matters policy matters. <Manaan>
1: Welcome to ASRM Policy Matters. I am Jeffrey Hayes, your host for this episode. Today on the program, we are talking about all things advocacy and PACs as it relates to ASRM. Guiding us in this discussion from ASRM headquarters in Washington, D.C. is Chief Policy and Advocacy Officer Sean Tipton and Director of Government Affairs Sarah Bogdan. Welcome both of you to ASRM Today Policy Matters.
2: Thanks a lot, Jeff.
1: Thank you. So let's let's kick it off with this question. We get a lot of questions about what ASRM can and cannot do about advocacy. So, Sean, what is it that ASRM actually does in regards to advocacy?
2: Yeah. So it, it can get a little complicated, but at one level, it can be pretty simple. We we are a what's known in the IRS code, the tax code, is a 501c3 organization. That means we are a charitable organization organized for, for charitable purposes. And the tax code actually has, I think it's eight specific things and topics that these charitable groups have to do. We check those boxes through our education programs and our science, promotion of science. Uh, so uh, that, means all, that means we are a tax-exempt organization, uh, but it also means that all donations to ASRM are tax-deductible to the full extent of the law. Uh, to people who make those donations. And that's really where it gets into to differ. So you can think of the price we pay for that as we agree to not get involved in candidate elections. What we do do and can do legally is influence, monitor and influence legislation, both in Congress and in the state legislatures that might affect our members or, or our members' interests. So, so we are very much involved in legislative politics we are not really involved in candidate elections. One important exception to that is the law says that when the citizens are acting as the legislature, then we can still stay engaged in that process. So what that really means in English is if there's a ballot initiative, like we recently had on abortion in Kansas, uh, we can play on those. We can get involved in those. So we can't run an ad that says, uh, vote for candidate X for office Y. But if it's a ballot measure, we can say vote for or against issue two, for example. That's what, that was the issue number for the one in Kansas. So so that's the real kind of narrow way to think about it. Um, and, and Sarah, maybe you want to talk a little bit of kind of uh, operationalize for people a little bit what that monitoring and influencing looks like.
0: Sure. Thanks. So what we do is monitor state and federal legislation and regulations in both the state and federal. And we monitor and then we, of course, um, communicate to state houses, state law, all, all the lawmakers above and beyond um, about what we think would work or doesn't work, what would be positive, what would be negative. And a lot of that falls under sort of an education sort of umbrella. Um, and so that's why we're able to do so because it falls under educating lawmakers about these issues and then what impact it would have on our members and the patients that they care for
2: right so we have full-time staff uh sarah and i are two of the three full-time government affairs staff that asrm have Uh, and we we not only pay attention to what legislation gets introduced we often try to uh, instigate some of that if we want to see something positive sometimes we will hear about something we don't like and we will try to stop it from even get getting introduced um, we work really closely with a lot of like-minded organizations uh, so our friends at the College of OB, OBGYNs at the American Medical Association at resolve lots of groups where we, we work try to work together so that we're more effective and more efficient uh, and sometimes we will hire independent lobbying firms In our case because we do have three full-time staff members in Washington that most often takes place in state capitals where we don't have people on the ground Uh, and and we can spend our money that way as well again part of the regulation around being a 501c3 uh, we choose to 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 do a essentially take an option where uh, there is a cap on our total expenditures for lobbying that's based on our total budget So it can't exceed a certain dollar amount we have never run into danger of running up against that cap largely because the irs code defines lobbying in a very narrow way it is very specific if we are not asking uh, senator x to vote yes or no on bill number one two three it's not lobbying so if we're just kind of talking if we're as sarah alluded to we do a lot of educating so a lot of explaining as to what's going on If it's not specifically asking for a specific vote on a specific bill, it doesn't count as lobbying according to the IRS definition. This, by the way, gets a little confusing because there is another federal law that requires Sarah and I and our our colleagues to register officially as lobbyists and we have to report on what we're lobbying on. That definition of lobbying is a little more inclusive. Um, So, ironically enough, the federal code has two different definitions of what constitutes lobbying that we have to pay attention to.
1: So with this too, I, I want to transition with the uh, with this conversation about lob the you know, what lobbying is. Uh, uh, what what then is is a PAC, and you know, does ASRM even have one?
0: Uh, that's a great question. A PAC is a political action committee, and that is where you raise and um, give out money for political candidates. So, which is great. I worked on one for six years. Um, it is an, an awesome advocacy tool, but it is just a tool in the toolbox for lobbying. So I thought I might sort of talk a little bit about what PACs do and what PACs sort of don't. So as I said, they're they're just a tool in the toolbox. Ultimately, what you really want is a relationship with a lawmaker. And so a relationship with a lawmaker can be supplemented and and helped with a pack, but it doesn't always work that way. And a relationship with a lawmaker, of course, doesn't always mean that you're directly influencing a particular vote on a particular piece of legislation. It's a relationship, just like you have a relationship with everybody else. Um, You know, family members don't always vote the way you want to vote, as I'm sure everyone has a few uncles in their their boxes (laughs) and their families. Um, It's the same thing with lawmakers. So a relationship is a good thing. And doing multiple different contacts with that lawmaker one of those ways is to do an event and to give money towards an election further through a PAC but that's not just that's just only one tool folks often think that PAC events are sort of the room where it happens to sort of borrow Hamilton Um, but that is actually a very very rare occurrence the sausage making of legislation happens within closed doors of Capitol Hill and state houses. And so PACs and PAC events can be great for gathering information, figuring out priorities, learning what leadership are telling members. But ultimately, PACs give access to lawmakers, but turning that access into actionable items takes more than just giving money or going to one event. It takes a series of relationship building events
2: PACs or Sarah says PACs are useful to uh, at two levels one is you they do get you some access to elected officials I think it's important to note they don't guarantee you they're going to support exactly what you want them to do every time uh, they do they can't obviously you know you're raising money for their elections so in that way you're playing a direct role in trying to influence who those members are who are making those decisions so that's a piece of it as well so they, they can be effective i think for asrm um you know there's a couple reasons we haven't gone down that road um you know there are seven thousand state legislators in this country obviously 535 uh, members of congress so to have a meaningful impact you have to have a fair amount of money uh, we have opted not to try to pursue that we we obviously raise money for our members to do different things um, but we would rather see that money go to things like our research institute, our educational programs, our Center for Policy and Leadership. So we have not opted to, number one, we have to reorganize uh, according to the tax code. We'd have to re have to reincorporate in some other way and probably have two parallel organizations, which is a very common model. Uh, and then we'd have to do a lot of aggressive fundraising and spend a lot of time doing that. And like I say, we, we sort of have prioritized other things. You know, the ASRM leadership is has, has pretty comfortable with making it clear that we are primarily an education and scientific organization. Yes, we care about policy. Our members need our advocacy uh, and we do that, but that is not the main focus of the organization and we don't think it's gonna become that. So uh, we think we are fairly uh, effective without that particular tool. We have other tools that we use, uh, in particular our, you know, our, our members' information and, and the expertise that our members can provide on these important issues. So, so we have not opted to, to go that way um, it's useful in some desi- and individual organizations are gonna make different decisions. Now, the other question we get a lot that's very related is do we endorse candidates? So even if we're not giving them money and having a PAC, we can't tell you who to vote for, right? That's a, that's a very direct violation of the laws around being a 501c3 organization. You will see groups do sort of some education around candidates, you know, scorecards and things. We have opted not even to go that route again the sheer volume of races at this point, with all the action in the state legislatures, seven thousand elections is a lot to keep up with. So we we have not opted to try that. Um, we do encourage people to get involved in elections, get involved with candidates, give money directly to candidates if they find ones they like. Those are all terrific and important things that individual members should be doing. Uh, ASRM though can't really be involved in that process.
1: So education, 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 this leads to, you know, greater avenues of things. Uh, what then, uh, Sean and Sarah, what, what is the best way for our membership base uh, to contact uh, ASRM to stay up to date as, as we continue to move forward and, and try to keep up with all these changes?
2: We feel like we send out, there's a lot of information. We send out a lot of information and we try not to drown people. Uh, so you're going to get emails from us from time to time if something's happening in your state. We will reach out to you. Our social media channels are, are full of information and updates, both of things in the media and things that are happening in the policy market. Those are important things to do. Uh, we can be reached real easy. It's real easy to reach us. Publicaffairs at ASRM.org is the best email to use. We'll, get, we'll steer that to the right staffer uh, within ASRM to answer any questions that people might have. Um, and, and let me just go back to something you just said with the education point. You know, that, that's really important. Uh, there, so there's a group that some of you may have heard of called the Brookings Institution, which is a big think tank research center in Washington. They have had me come in from time to time as they do essentially classes on how Washington really works. And it's interesting because they often pair me up with a lobbyist for a big corporation. So I've, I've been on a panel with lobbyists for the Chamber of Commerce, with lobbyists for General Motors, with lobbyists for uh, ExxonMobil. And we play the game in a very different way. Those groups have lots of money that they hand out. They talk about, oh yeah, sure, we lend the corporate jet to the speaker so the speaker can get back to her district. Well, ASRM can't play the game that way. We have essentially one asset, and that is our members and their patients have a legitimate need, and we have the ability to educate policymakers as to what those needs are and how a policy process can help or hurt those needs. So we talk to them to say, patients need access to infertility care. So you should help us by making it a legal mandate that employers include that in their health plan, right? We, our members need the ability to, to research these challenging puzzles to, in order to improve treatments in reproductive care. So you need to fund the National Institutes of Health in a better way so they can have more tools to do that research with. So the only thing, the only asset we really bring to bear in this is accurate scientific information, and we guard that asset jealously. So we will always be very careful to provide the best, most accurate information, even, and I can tell you this is sometimes the case, even when that's not the best political answer.
1: My guests today were Chief Policy and Advocacy Officer Sean Tipton and Director of Government Affairs Sarah Bogdan. Thank you both so much for being able to, to take time out of your, out of, out of your schedule to uh, be with us today. Anytime. Thank you. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Policy Matters.
2: The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.